Once a week, recapping the Hollywood week that was, getting you ready for the Hollywood week to come. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. Hashtag MMO Weekly. Hashtag MMOW. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host, also Mike. Also Mike here. We have crazy news from Disney at the D23 Expo. We got all kinds of movies and TV to review at the end. We got a six degrees of MMO. It's going to be fun. Yeah, a lot of stuff to get through today. And like Mike said, big news of the week was the D23 Expo. And that's where we'll start with the news of the week segment today. News, 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 this struck me like I was like, what? What are we doing? Does Ray really go to the dark side? And heads up here, Game of Thrones spoilers, right off the top for the last season, we just saw Daenerys turn heel and enrage much of the fan base. I would say half of the fan base. Yeah, a lot of people didn't like it. The hammer shot at the end of the first teaser, right, at Comic-Con was, or where, whenever that was, yeah. all the months are blending Star together. Star Wars Spectacular, I think it was. Thank you. <laughs> Palpatine was shown to still be alive. Right. Wherever he was there Which, in the desert. in and of itself, makes no sense. It's but okay. <laughs> so we have Rey now with Darth Maul's lightsaber, with red eyes. I mean, it's very. she's very clearly, in that hammer spot, gone heel. The Rise of Skywalker, does this mean the title's making sense? All right, What's so this going is, on? This is all new footage from the this D23 exclusive look at The Rise of Skywalker. They played a... Disney really blew it out for this D23. They talked about everything coming with their animation studios, everything coming Pixar, everything yeah. coming Star Wars, Marvel. Basically, it was just their conference talking about how they're owning the entertainment industry right now. And with that was the special look at Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. We did get... 50 seconds in quotes of additional exclusive footage, which I gripe with. But the like Mike said, the big point of this new look was that Rey is kind of teasing this heel turn. She certainly has that double-sided red lightsaber that calls back to maybe Darth Maul or maybe a more advanced version of Darth Maul. Red lightsabers usually equate with someone in the Sith or the dark side or whatever this iteration of, of bad guys goes by for this trilogy. There's no way she's going bad. No way. If she goes bad, it's not going to stick, right? I mean, she'll be evil for a hot minute. It'll be in a flashback. Yeah, I've, Is this I've a seen, misdirection? Yeah, I've seen people say it's like a vision on Twitter. I can buy that. But it would be so tonally deaf to her for to just turn Rey into a dark side allegiance, especially because they've been throwing dark side stuff at her for the first two movies anyway, and she's never even come close to considering them. And mm. she's the good. She's been the light in the first two movies. She's the conscious. She's Luke. There's not enough foreshadowing here, even though she kind of yeah. is wondering about her parents in the first movie. But she she does not have the same buildup that Daenerys had, and Daenerys didn't have enough. Right. Absolutely true. I mean, Daenerys, you at least had some moments, and not that I'm a big GOT guy, but you at least had moments throughout the six seasons where she was, you, know, you could at least make the case. There was Fire a case and blood. Be, right. Yeah. There's a case to be made that, yes, she was ultimately going to turn heel, and whether you liked it or not is one thing, but there's no evidence here that Ray. what a down, I mean, it'd be great, I would love it, just as a cynic and just as someone that, like, <laughs> loves the unexpected, 
But it'd be such a doubter to end the nine movies on in the last 50 years of filmmaking. Not what I thought we'd get from J.J. Abrams. I figured we'd get fan service we'd get member berries a la South Park. Right. We wouldn't get the subversion of expectations, which the last movie got blasted for, which we really liked in yes. many cases, because I thought it was subtle and well-made and well-done and well-foreshadowed. Here, J.J. Abrams, is he trying to top Ryan Johnson? That's what I took from this, too. It's like, if you change Ray's character so dramatically and drastically, it's almost as if you're kowtowing to the people that had the biggest problem when it was revealed in episode 8 that Ray's parents were nobodies. It's like, oh, we have to retcon that because it went over so poorly with the hardest of hardcore fans that we have to give them now something to kind of grab onto that's unexpected and so radically different from just having Ray be another version of the female version of Luke for purposes of this trilogy that we have to change it because otherwise we're going to be yelled at. Female heroes at the center of these monstrous multi-billion dollar franchises they don't come along very often now we're going to get a second one Mike where the second female hero is going to turn heel on the audience on all of its adoring fans we just watched that beautiful gif of the little girl in the Ray costume obviously that yeah, was done was with awesome. all the Daenerys stuff so we, we've just been praising this it, look I mean yeah male heroes have gone heel but if there's only two male heroes <laughs> in the history <laughs> of big budget cinema and they both went heel I mean or the percentage was bad I mean this is a bad look for Disney they can't go through with this is my opinion I don't think it's going to happen I think it's a classic misdirect I think it's you know it's Star Wars getting a day worth of play and coverage and clicks out of things that they they're, they're playing with us right now these 50 seconds of additional footage is absolute bullshit there's nothing shown in this additional footage See, 3PO has red eyes too by the way great <laughs> totally <laughs> worth the price of admission We're really going to the conference to see this you get Ray and Ren looking like they're having a battle on a cliff that looks pretty cool on a Death Star Mike in sure. the sea alright awesome it's on great. the poster too <laughs> and then you have yeah the poster to me was the the best part of all of this but then right. the additional footage i thought was such a, a cheap way out because you're not shown anything and like in true to star wars form just because they're doing it and showing it to you it's going to eat up social media and eat up the pop culture zeitgeist and i get it but i hate it <laughs> you've also said many times like the biggest question for this movie is is it an oscars film or not is it going to be an oscars nominee beyond the few technical categories does this news change your perspective on that front at all i could see it you know knowing nothing about it outside of what we're showing i could see it i hope it is considered best picture worthy i don't know about any of the other major categories but if it is considered best picture worthy i just think it'd be so cool to have this year, where we could have a Star Wars movie, an Avengers movie for Best Picture, a Joker movie, substantiating a Best Actor nominee, yeah. just two years or a year, actually, after the Academy was going to have that separate but equal idea for popular films, and it's being blown to hell in real time. I think that's really cool, because these are all big-budget movies. They're all major studio pictures. You know, I understand it's all Disney, <laughs> Except, I mean, the Joker's not, but it's mostly Disney. Look, Disney has made a lot of good movies in recent years. I did, like, a mini study on Box Office Mojo at which studios were ahead uh, on the on the individual years. And it was a mix-up. Like, every other year was somebody different, right? Universal had it strung maybe two years in a row at one point. It's only recently that Disney has won it by a couple percentage points, like the last three or four years. And, you know, Mike, we've put in 70 episodes on Disney movies between yeah. the MCU, between our movie events, OSPs, and of course uh, the Pixar rewatch that we just did. There's a reason we did that because so many of those movies are so well made. Yeah. Now, 
you have a situation where are they getting too cocky? Are they the asshole with all the chips at the poker table leaning on people and the business deals that they're making are kind of, you know, monopoly-like and they're they're being jerks with that? We're going to find out the fallout, but you can't say it hasn't worked for them from a business since, at least lately. They, we just talked about last week how they were had five properties across the billion-dollar mark, how yeah. they have, you know, all these different properties coming up and they just bought Fox and now they're trying to worry about the X-Men and they're in this big standoff with Sony when it comes to Spider-Man and Marvel. So it, it'll come to a head eventually, but it seems to be all good times in the house of mouse right now. And with that was more stuff that came out from this D23, including that Skywalker poster which i thought was awesome and like i said the best part of this star wars thing for me cool poster and i, I love the the blue kind of hue of it all yeah i mean it really works to see the last one was all red so i, I like that they're playing with the artwork there uh, i'm in uh, of course i mean we're both in for this so. absolutely can't wait can't wait to cover it yeah moving on though we have marvel stuff to discuss black panther 2 is the big news it is getting a May 6, 2022 release date. This is coming after all of the Phase 4 announcements. Number one, Mike, I do want to say, I think uh, we probably shouldn't call it Phase 5 yet. Phases 1 and 2 had six films each. Phase 3 had, was 11 films long. This is just a quibble on my part, but, and this is mostly a me problem. <laughs> but maybe we shouldn't call it Phase 5 yet. We don't know how this phase is going to break down. Probably fair. Uh, but it's exciting. It is exciting. It's a little odd too that they're making us wait five years in between sequels usually marvel is like a two or three year thing between one and two but five years will be black panther or is it five years or four years four years i guess right, right. 2018 to 2022 ryan coogler said he wasn't taking his time they're just making sure they have it right they get this right so i mean it's encouraging look if they take their time and they get regardless of what he said if they do take their time and get it right that's great yeah that's, that's, what the, we that's the closest uh, superhero movie thus far that's come to cracking that academy glass ceiling it was nominated for best picture it had a legitimate chance to win best picture last year it did end up winning three or four academy awards on the undercard anyway ryan coogler is returning that's big news uh, you would imagine most of the cast most of the original is going to be back as well they're probably under contract with marvel as it is for long-standing properties and at least three or four films each so uh, get it right yeah i think that's a gr great way to approach it and i'm trying not to be all Disney cynical when we're talking about Disney anyway, so with that in mind, I'm very excited for another Black Panther property, and I hope that it can be another Academy contender. And May 6th is yeah. kind of interesting, because they're getting out of the February release date of the first one. They're positioning <laughs> it more of the superhero-centric timeline. I mean, Avengers came out at the end of April, yeah. historically. This is going to be a week after the usual Avengers release date, so they probably think it's going to be a bajillion dollar money maker which it will be a more reliable release date yeah. no question disney plus announced a trio of new mcu uh properties she hulk which we're very glad about we've yes. been screaming for planet hulk the movie for a long time. sure now moon knight sounds wild mike you have a vigilante slash mercenary who has multiple personalities. One's a billionaire. I, I mean, it's wild. <laughs> is this like Marvel's split, the M. Night Shyamalan movie? <laughs> this is I don't know. I don't have a take on these. These are three properties that I'm not all that familiar with. Ms. Marvel is in there, too. Uh, these are the three that are coming to Disney+, Plus, right? These are the mm -hmm. three sh big streaming ones. 
I think it's interesting that they are going forward with a She-Hulk property after all the contractual tie-ups that the Hulk was involved with, with Universal. I can't remember if Marvel bought those rights outright from Universal, but I know there was a profit-sharing split on Universal's side when it came to Hulk properties, which was presumably why they were dragging their feet about giving Hulk more solo movies mm -hmm. or Planet Hulk a movie or She-Hulk a movie anyway, and now all of a sudden they're going to roll it out for Disney+. Plus. So I'm interested to see that, especially in light of what we're going through with Sony and Spider-Man right now. What we're going through, Sony and Spider-Man, is just barbs. I mean, we had Tom <laughs> Holland being sad. We got all that Tom news, Holland too, getting all the other depressed. day. <laughs> it's, it's, it's barbs going in either direction. That negotiation has gotten ugly and public. Ms. Marvel's fun, though, Mike, because we have comedy writer from the new Four Weddings and a Funeral and Netflix's Sex Education, Bisha K. Ali. She's showrunning. This is the brand's first Muslim superhero. Awesome. And she has stretch powers, Ms. Marvel, like Mr. Fantastic or Alaska. Girl, I gather again, we're not comic book readers, no, so we don't really I know nothing about this property. I mean, that's kind of the sure. cool part where we are with the MCU, too, is that lay people that aren't into the comics like us, we're getting Shang Chi's, we're getting Ms. Marvel's, we're getting introduced to all these people that we don't have any idea about. And Marvel has been such a juggernaut with making properties that they can roll them out and give them their proper due and introduce them to a whole new generation of fans, which is very cool in a vacuum. Say what you want about the monopoly implications of it all with Disney. Which is looming over all of us. For me. It's looming. It's looming because they've been so successful so for so long. But we're also Yankee fans, though, Mike. That's true. We're That's hypocrites. True. We know what it's like to root for a dynasty. The upcoming <laughs> Disney slate, you put a really cool graphic that I didn't realize they did for non-MCU stuff, but I guess they've been it doing it everything, yeah. for years. So it's yeah. everything coming out. We put it on our Instagram. To me, the big takeaway was we're getting Soul on June 19th, 2020. We got a first look at some of the animation there. Jamie Foxx is going to be in that. It looks like kind of like Casper, the friendly ghost. It's like this see-through to the real world behind the world kind of thing. I don't know what it I is. I was reading synopses of it and I didn't quite understand what it was mm -hmm. like we're getting a, a, a world but it has to do with a music teacher that can go in between worlds or at least his soul can go in between worlds so it's very confusing to me I'm not smart enough to get that it's music based though yeah. it's going to feature jazz which I think is really awesome yeah. and we're going to Ryan Gosling's very excited yeah we're going to have a Pixar mo movie featuring music those movies have been doing really well at the box office of late when you deliver in musical goods otherwise I mean the big news were the last two we have Cruella coming out in May 2021. We had a first look at that with Emma Stone as Cruella DeVille, Paul Walter Hauser as whatever the funny henchman's name was. <laughs> it's a great photo, too, from it that is. set. Cruella B. It looks like a, a, a lot of people on Twitter made this joke, but it's absolutely true. It looks like a badass rap album cover. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh but the other cool story was Raya and the Last Dragon, Mike. Yeah, it's from a crazy rich Asians writer, Adele Leem. It's a property uh, so unexpectedly new that I looked at one point last night, on Sunday night doing my research, there was nothing about it on IMDb. This morning there was. There was mm -hmm. a blank page for it. It's nothing I don't think anyone really knew of until Disney decided to announce it, but it's Aquafina, who we love, playing this dragon. It's an old-school Disney animation picture. It looks like it's going to be in like the, the style of Moana or one of those, mm -hmm. which is obviously found an audience and made a lot of money. And, and it's epic fantasy, Mike! <laughs> Look seems, at all this epic fantasy onward. fairy tale, yeah. Science fiction and fantasy. <laughs> I'm nerding out. I really love it. I love Last Dragons. I really love Last Dragons and all my fantasy. It's it's, it's a trope, Mike. You, okay, you're not I don't, familiar. I'm, I'm not familiar it's the beginning of Game of Thrones, yeah. right. blah, blah, blah. It's a trope, and I love it. <laughs> and I'm really excited. And yeah, I, we both love Crazy Rich Asians, so those showrunners should be given a chance to 
you know, produce one of Disney's few original properties. And look, this is how they're going to do those original properties. They're going to give them to the Pixar people, essentially. The former Pixar board members are now in charge of Disney Animation Studios, or at least they have their handprint. I don't know exactly who's in charge now. They originally were with the Frozen release, etc. And of course, Pixar is doing two new original properties with Onward and Soul. You're getting three new original properties in this slate from Disney, all Pixar controlled. And I think wider than that as well pixar obviously is they're like marvel right now they're like disney at large they seem to not be able to do any wrong but when it comes to raya and the last dragon it seems to be a very asian-centric property and we've seen them doing a live action mulan which is a very asian-centric property and we're going to talk about the box office update this week how hobbs and shaw just did really really well in china the best yeah. august opening ever disney's not blind to the fact that there seems to be this huge burgeoning market over there in in, in the far east and I think other studios would be wise to follow in their footsteps Definitely. and really ma tailor make these properties and these new IPs and come up with IPs that are created and reflective of the lifestyle and culture over there in Asia. Representative. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these properties are somewhat representative, more representative than in the past. And, and that's a good thing for yeah. sure. You know, and Disney's made a lot of good movies, so we're confident Black Widow got a new poster in terms of first looks. We kind of mentioned Corella and Soul already. She's got the, they rolled out the Black Widow white costume too that she's apparently going to wear in the uh, movie. That's pretty cool. Now, the tweet. It looks like it's soiled. It looks like a soiled white costume, but then you get the other beautiful tweet from Disney, which looks awesome. It looks like a white costume. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe it was after seeing some time. Maybe it's the no, it's wore. the shadows. <laughs> I, you look closer at it, it's the shadows, and it looks strange. I'm really hoping like this is original Russo brothers, you know, Winter Soldier like. You get that fight movie, and this poster reminds me of a fight movie poster. Yeah, you got, you got David Harbor and wearing the mask in the poster yeah. too, which I didn't expect them to give that away right away. Rachel Weiss, and then you got all of the Black Widows, I guess, Florence Pugh, etc., on the other side of her. And let's go, let's throw down. Let's have the John Wick style movie from Marvel. You know, original Russo brothers right there. How about the year Florence Pugh is having too, by the way? Just oh. getting on to all these major productions from all different studios. Everything. Now, I could do a whole episode on this because we, we also got more first looks. We got trailers for The Mandalorian and The New Lady and the Tramp. Mm -hmm. Mike, both of these are extraordinary, I thought. I thought they're some of the best trailers of the year. The Mandalorian was very Star Warsy. I, I just love the fact it. that you don't have him speaking. You got that mystery involved. And then you got crazy fight scenes, IG-88, etc. And it looks like it has a loaded cast. I mean, Gustavo Fring from Breaking Bad frame is not going to yeah. be tough to see him in space as a leader after knowing <laughs> what I know about him and, and him, him being so related to that Breaking Bad character. But, but this is where we're going to have, I guess, uh, we're going to put Lando Calrissian. Yeah. We're going to have his character there as a big part of it. It's a big bounty hunter. So is the Mandalorian, I don't know enough about it because I'm not as steeped in the, in the nerdism, but is the Mandalorian just the bounty hunter thing i don't know if it's boba fett or you know like right post boba fett whoever the successor is to boba fett i don't know either i'm not okay enough of a nerd here either i, I hope some of you glorious nerds will get back at us <laughs> for this or maybe we actually just could do some more reading but look disney plus is rolling out must-see properties you yeah. have to see and this, they're right? high quality stuff and they look fantastic look, like you are not the huge star wars no, fan yeah. and you'll want to doubt yeah, of course it looked awesome and it, like i said it really looked true to and i think that's important if you're going to have a spin-off a star wars related property that's 
you know, it's going to be this new streaming service. It's supposed to be one of the big properties that gets you a lure to buy it. It has to look great, and it really does. The trailer looked phenomenal. As for The Lady and the Tramp, Mike, we get beautiful music. We get basically an Italian man singing, and we know he's going to sing to a couple of dogs <laughs> who are romantically involved, giving them a meal of people food. Again, I, as I mentioned, it's a... Wednesday at the Also Mike House, <laughs> same deal. You love this trailer too. Yeah, well, prove once and for all that dogs are better than cats because in 30 <laughs> seconds of this trailer, we got the dogs emoting more than the any feline in the Lion King did over two and a half hours. It's crazy <laughs> that the made-for-TV version actually gets emotion out of you know the Tramp. Yeah, the Tramp is the most expressive. Yeah, Disney live-action animated. It's the eyes, yet. man. You can't trust the eyes of a cat. That's all this taught me. You cannot <laughs> trust the eyes of a cat, and They're a dog dead. will will let you see his soul. Dog has nothing to hide. Oh, our cat, our cat lovers, they're just trolling us. Uh, look, I they could have made Lion King more expressive. I, I'm sad. Yeah, that absolutely, they absolutely, they could have. That was that seemed to be a shortcoming. But hey, don't cry for the Lion King. It's made a jillion dollars, yeah. and we're going to talk about that and box office update too. So, Mike D23 is now in the past. What is the one property you would say you're most excited for out of any of them that were rolled out here? I have to say The Mandalorian. I was now Mandal- more so than Episode Nine. More so because wow. now, now I'm worried for Episode Nine. As, as much as uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna see it, the Mandalorian looked awesome. Like I give me, give me that for twelve episodes, or six episodes, whatever it's gonna be. There's a lot of funny tweets about it from our friends on Twitter, basically making boner jokes, and I, I agree <laughs> with all of those. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff we didn't even touch on. The D23 also rolled out. They had the cast of the Eternals there. They rolled out uh, some yeah, Kit Harrington. Uh, yeah, he, without the beard, by the way, I couldn't even tell who it was. There's that still online of Kumail talking to Kit, and I was like, who is Kumail talking to right there? That's yeah. a beautiful man, but I don't know who that is. <laughs> it turns out it was Kit Harrington. Jungle Cruiser rolled out. That's gonna be an Emma Blunt and a rock property. Well, not a rock, but I guess the rock yep. uh, property that's going to be based off of Disney Ride. We had also looks at Maleficent Frozen 2. Everything Disney's doing was all there on display for D23 and basically all there under the guise of hyping up Disney+. Plus. So for me, though, personally, none of it Kate rose to the level of Episode 9. I'm very, very intrigued with what Episode 9 has in store, despite the fact that I'm outraged that they're selling all this new footage for two <laughs> scenes worth of stuff. <laughs> So, you hated that there's only one minute of new footage, but that's the most you're excited. It's the most anticipatory I am of any of these properties. <laughs> so it worked. Basically, you're saying what I they hate, did yeah, work. I hate, that's the whole, that's my whole thesis. I hate that it works, but it works. I just, I, I am disgusted that Star Wars had Rey dropping a lightsaber, and that's going to be all anyone talks about, and it's all going to be I'm thinking about, too. It fucking works. I hate it. At least I've recognized, like, you have to recognize <laughs> this about yourself. I've recognized about the, this about myself already. If I see a Big Mac commercial, I'm probably going to eat a Big Mac in the next week and a half. I've leaned into this already. I've realized it. But anyway, that's enough about us. Audience interaction time, Mike. Yeah, six degrees of MMO. The challenge last week was Bruce Springsteen going to Henry Golding. Bruce Springsteen, of course, because Blinded by the Light, mm-hmm. which was a Springsteen song-based movie, came out even though Blinded by the Light is not a Springsteen song. If you ask me, seems like poor marketing, but it did well at the box. It did okay at the box office. Had good critic grades as well. Good critic grades. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it did well. It's We'll talk about yeah. it. But it's crazy that Bruce Springsteen is in the news when we do something like this as well because apparently his new album it's getting its own documentary movie too sure why not right <laughs> like like as if he hasn't dominated the world of music enough now he's got to turn his attention to film i also would be interested to see how much 
I, I, obviously, his music was licensed out to Blinded by the Light, but I would like to know if he had a cut of that at all, because it's not like it was the Bruce Springsteen story, which I think, by the way, would be a fascinating musical biopic. Sure. If those are the ones, the way we're going right now with all musical biopics, but... All right, we'll get to all that in due time, I suppose, but let's talk about the efficiency winner for Six Degrees of MMO, Bruce Springsteen to Henry Golding. Merck with a movie blog was up first at movie blog Merck. Bruce Springsteen was with Jack Black in High Fidelity. Yep. Uh, Jack Black was with Michelle Yeoh in Kung Fu Panda, yep. who, of course, was in Last Christmas. No, with yeah. Mich- Michelle Yeoh's in Last Christmas yeah, as well? Yeah, she owns the shop. Oh, I didn't even realize that when we reviewed it. Okay. Well, Michelle Yeoh, you could have gone to Crazy Rich Asians, but he didn't. He goes to Last Christmas. He makes me seem like a fool on my own show, and I appreciate that. Good job, Burke. (laughs) Swamp Thing, Wojcik Weischer, said Henry Golding is the star of Last Christmas. Uh, that shares a name with the George Michael song released in 1984, same as Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. Wojcik also had a bunch of longer entries that were awesome, too. Yeah, he's always a great competitor here. The right peak winner goes to Oliver Hetherington Page at A Twist of Oliver. You are reading the long one again. Yeah, it's a long one. Bruce Springsteen wrote the song Streets of Philadelphia. That checks out. I can confirm that. The mm. film Rocky takes place on the streets of Philadelphia. That's true. Rocky. He beat all the president's men for best picture in 1977. Shouldn't have happened. Which featured the character Bren Bre- Ben Bradley. Bren Bradley. If I can speak. Tom Hanks played the same <laughs> character in Steven Spielberg's The Post. Steven Spielberg also directed War Horse, God damn it, which was co-written by Richard Curtis, who wrote Four Weddings and a Funeral, which starred Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant played the brother of Emma Thompson in Love Actually. Emma Thompson is writing the upcoming film Last Christmas, which features Michelle Yeoh, who played the mother of Henry Golden in Crazy Rich Asians. I appreciate all of that, not just because of its length, not just because of its research, but because he took the extra step and didn't just stop at Last Christmas and went to Crazy Rich Asians, which is where my mind was with Michelle Yeoh and Henry Golding anyway, as we saw with the first entry here where I screwed up what Merck was saying. And he also took the (laughs) streets of a town, which is also the name of a song. And he connected it that way, yes, which is terrific. very well done. There. Yeah, the left peak of the David Lynch Twin Peaks Award this week <laughs> goes to Jay at Jay Skipworth. He said Bruce Springsteen's book, Born to Run, was featured in the same Hollywood Reporter uh, article as Anna Kendrick's <laughs> Scrappy Little Nobody for fall of 2016. It, they both were featured in an article. They were just in an article because they happen to have the same publishing date. Anna Kendrick starred alongside Henry Golding in the vastly underrated A Simple Favor. I, I agree with that. Have you seen it? You saw A Simple yes, Favor. Yes, loved it. I own it. I keep wanting to watch it. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but there, was a, there seems to be this post-Simple Favor debut swell of like, Boy, Blake Lively was really good and deserved more recognition she for what she did in that, in that movie. It's a fun movie. movie. It's a fun performance by Blake Lively, no I question. i got to check that out. Uh, the winner this week, though, for The Six Degrees, going from Bruce Springsteen to Henry Golding, is our old friend Dark Nook at the shop, at Dark Nook Shop. He's and crushing this it this is not a man that is afraid to get meta with his answers, which is what <laughs> we love. Henry Golding stars in Crazy Rich Asians, which Evan Duffy did the musical arrangement for. He also does the musical arrangement 
arrangement for the reboot of Magnum P.I. Why anybody would know or research this is beyond my comprehension, but it includes the episode Black is the Widow, where Bruce Springsteen appeared as himself to perform Glory Days. Insane, right? <laughs> Insane. It's a one, two, three, even though there's a big paragraph there. Yeah, that could be the efficiency winner. That could be uh, the overall winner. I think it has to be the overall That's winner. That's great. Because it's both. And it, yeah, you have these crazy connections on both sides of that one middle piece. How many people do you think an average episode of the reboot of Magnum P.I. gets in to see, to, it like, watches a week? Six? Six. Yeah, I think the answer is six. That's a good answer. Dark Nook, you are the champion and rightful bragging rights winner of all things Six Degrees of MMO related. We have a new throne since we had to get rid of the old one, so I guess we could start with the very basic, but it's a giant, glorious, lush throne, probably some leather interior and trademarks with little jewels on the side of it, but you get to sit down on that. You have the bragging rights to everything. This is like a man cave leather chair. That yeah. you put jewels on. Yeah, and I'm thinking like the cushions are red, but there's like leather accents around the side. Now, did they ride the Lake Placid crocodile <laughs> no, alligator no, that thing, to that throne? Well, I they think could, they, they were going to, but the giant alligator ate it, so that's gone. <laughs> we, we said well, yeah, that. but how did they get from the last throne to this throne? It was just the alligator stopped at the this throne and you threw suck the at yes and by the way, you're the, you're the non-improv guy. <laughs> Uh, you are the winner of all things bragging rights this week, Dark Nook, and we have a new challenge next week for Six Degrees of MMO. Mike's improv skills are not yes and, they're no and fuck you. Yeah, exactly. We'll do it on my terms. Oh, God. Alright, next week's challenge, Samara Weaving just starred in Ready or Not. Not enough people saw that movie. We, we really liked it. We did a movie event for it. You listened a lot to it, so yeah. which we're all happy about. Samara Weaving is a rising star herself. Another rising star, he's going to be starring in his own movie as well, the dude from I, Tanya, the dude great. from Black Klansman. He's been awesome in a couple of movies, even though some of his characters are grimy. He's great at playing shitty characters. He's, he really is. He's in the new... And there is an art to it. <laughs> he's in the new first look for Cruella opposite Emma Stone. This is Paul Walter Hauser. We're going... Samara Weaving to Paul Walter Hauser. That's your challenge. Yes, and that is the challenge for next week. Six Degrees of MMO. Do not let us down because there is a lush CV of characters that Paul Walter Hauser has played. So dig deep and get into it, and let's see what you can come up with there. We'll move on to a quick box office update now. Probably a surprising winner for the box office this week, Mike. Yeah, Angel has fallen. 21 million. Good Boys stayed in second at 11. Point seven overcomer with eight point two. A high school basketball coach volunteers to coach a troubled teen in long distance running. Seventeen meta score, thirty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. How the hell is that in third place? Well, I saw a little blurb about it. I can't remember if it might have been the Hollywood Reporter, but it's one of those faith based movies which I've been doing really well. Alex Kendrick is the writer director of it. His brother Stephen also was a writing credit, but they. Seem to get a lot of money. They did the War Room last year, which was kind of a hit. They, they get a lot of money out of these faith-based productions, which we wouldn't think there's a big market for, but people definitely go out to see them, and the Overcomer I, seems to be another that. success story. I'm not against that. How come they don't make good movies, though? I mean, 17 Metascore, 38% Rotten Tomatoes. That's I think it's for a very specific movie. niche of people that want to see certain things in movies, and maybe not for the general critics. That's my guess. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. 
The Lion King in fourth, Hobbs and Shaw in fifth. Hobbs and Shaw opened to close to 100 million in China. Yeah, I think the number I saw was 102. Wow. Biggest August opening ever in China. Uh, and then again, that just goes back to what we talked about. That Asian market is ready to explode. They want to see fantastical things. They want to see big explosions and stuff on screen. Maybe they don't want to see art house films right now, but there's certainly a market for blockbusters. If you put money into placating the Asian market and showing them maybe cultural representations of things they can relate to they want to to go see it they want to go to the movies it's exciting building the business everywhere worldwide here i kind of brushed through the first five because i wanted to get to number six i'm not happy that ready or not only made 7.5 on the weekend 10.5 total on the week it released early we covered it early we're a little upset by this. Yeah, we would have liked it to be more closer to 20, but we did say we predicted yeah, you said at 10. least 10 yeah. right on the money there during our, you know, it's sad. It, it is a, a great movie. It's got great scores, and it's a fun time at the theater, and yet $10 million in it debuts at six on the week when you have something like Angel Has Fallen, which is the third in a trilogy that never finished number one, that mm-hmm. still has made, it's made a lot of money, that Has Fallen trilogy, but yeah. it, it, they the third entry into this trilogy has done worse than the second entry which is not a good sign for a trilogy and yet it still finishes at more almost double more than double the box office at something like original and innovative as ready or not is it's it's kind of sad but we did have a lot of movies making money at the box office this week they a lot of movies made a little money i Mm -hmm. would say once upon a time in hollywood made five million its totals are up to 239 worldwide 123 slash 116 on the domestic versus worldwide cuts there I mean, it's a good thing. It did open fairly well uh, in the international box office. Yeah. And now it'll build to around $300 million or so. Yeah, if that gets to 125 domestically, 130 domestically, you think it's going to do at least that internationally. Right. So I would like to see that get near 300 The Farewell is going to open in China, 14.4 on a $3 million budget that's already in the black. Yeah. But, but I'm curious. We would like that to do better. I mean, yeah. there's there's got to be enough people out there that still respect independent art house cinema. I almost wonder if we're going too much the other way with this imperative of popular film and how scared we all were and how violent Silently and viciously, we all reacted when the Academy said they wanted a popular film narrative. And we're all saying, wait a minute, blockbuster films are great. They're the pinnacle of movie making. They do tell great stories. They're very accomplished. And now it's almost as if the pendulum has swung too wildly to the popular film and the blockbuster and the big major studio production narrative because these art house films don't seem to be getting much play at all. Not, not to say that they ever really have. I know they haven't been breaking banks at box offices, but something like The Farewell should be doing better than it is, I would think. I would agree with you. I think The Farewell should be doing better. I wonder if it should have released more, you know, nearer to Oscars time. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think it's got a chance to do well internationally, though, for obvious reasons. I hope so, yeah. And especially in China. They were, they were talking about that quite a bit. Lulu Wang is going to have a Chinese-language film, their Mandarin film. Right open in china shot in china on location yes and it's all gravy at this point they already made money based on those numbers so that's good hope that keeps up trailer thoughts now yeah let's go into trailer thoughts it's a good idea i like it i co-sign couples trailers to work through today and we'll start with the most surprising one that i don't think many of us saw coming i did not see it coming at all there was actually a rumor out earlier in the week that Bob Odenkirk basically spilled the beans on. He's, yeah. He saw Goodman. He's like, guys, the Breaking Bad movie is already filmed. And everybody was like, what? <laughs> and then like a day later, you get this trailer for El Camino 
colon, a Breaking Bad movie where essentially you have Skinny Pete being interviewed by the authorities saying he does not know where Jesse Pinkman is. Okay. How did this strike you when you first saw it? I mean, it's written directly by Vince Gilligan. It is truly going to be a Breaking Bad movie. Aaron Paul is going to be in it. I don't know if Walter White is going to make an appearance in a flashback or anything, but how did this strike you when you first saw it? It's a teaser, and I'm in, and if they're hunting Jesse Pinkman, I'm kind of rooting for Jesse Pinkman. Do you have any worry whatsoever that it's going to soil how we left Breaking Bad? I don't know. I I think Vince Gilligan has done a great job with Better Call Saul. And that, to me, I've been watching every season of that show. So I, I love that show. Yep. So, and that's basically Breaking it's, Bad. Yeah, it's not like he, Vince Gilligan doesn't know that he, how to handle his own properties. Right, I agree. So, so if he's all over this and he's writing it, directed it for Netflix, good for him. Like, we got a cool Netflix movie event coming this fall. And it's coming in October 11th. Yeah, so it's, it's coming, coming soon. It's right down the... <laughs> this, is, this is really a surprise. N- Netflix is not rolling out a long carpet for these. No. Uh, they're just like, hey, here it is. Yeah, surprise. And it's fun. Hey, by the way, we have the latest Cloverfield movie debuting later tonight after the Super Bowl if, you, if you're not doing anything. Uh, yeah, we've, we've talked about the good and bad to that marketing approach. To me, I just, I share your optimism in that it's Vince Gilligan and that it's Breaking Bad and it's one of the most beloved television properties ever. I just don't want it to soil how we left these characters. Mike, because to me, that was the most perfect ending. If you have issue with them making more stories about popular properties, <laughs> them being the business... You're gonna have an issue with the rest of this have an episode. Issue with business. You're gonna have an issue with the rest of this decade. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I have many an issue. Leave Star Wars alone. <laughs> Leave Matrix alone. Yeah, you're gonna have an issue. Fair. <laughs> Go to Underwater, which also had its trailer debut. The premise of this one: it's kind of the descent meets Alien at the ocean's floor with Kristen Stewart playing 2019's version of Ripley, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, it's a kind of a cool movie concept. It's kind of the beginning of the Meg in a way. Yeah, but it it goes off the rails in a rated R fashion, which is cool. Did they discover Atlantis? Hell, Mike, I thought this could have been the next Cloverfield movie at the start of it. Obviously, I don't think it is, but it's it, like when I first watched like Monsters in the yeah. DC, I was like, is this Cloverfield? Uh, there's something to being in a, a weird, being trapped in a confined space yeah. and all of us wanting it to be either a Cloverfield movie or a surprise prequel. This exact same line of thought happened when Life had its first trailer, that Ryan Reynolds, Jake Gyllenhaal out in space movie. And with we, that, where everyone's like, is this a Venom symbiote? Is this a Venom yeah. sequel prequel? And it's, But this is the same idea. Yeah, I could totally see this being a Cloverfield prequel. It seems like it's not going to be. It seems like it's going to be its own standalone property. Kristen Stewart's an ass kicker. I love the idea of her being this, this generation's version of Ripley. Here's my complaint. Okay. <laughs> This group of scientists, I guess, would never be commissioned to live on the ocean's floor together. I mean, who who's in charge here? The one guy Vincent with the gray Cassell. beard? Yeah. Kristen Stewart? Mm-hmm. The, the girl that looks like she's still in college, maybe? Mm-hmm. T.J. Miller? <laughs> like, who's the lead here? And who's funding these people to be in the ocean floor studying whatever? I agree. They're all fish food, <laughs> except for maybe one person. Hopefully that one person's Kristen Stewart. It looks like they're fish food in a gosh darn trailer. Sure does. Which is scary. And they're showing the monsters in the trailer, one. Which yeah. is worrisome, is it? I, I, I think it's kind of worrisome. So this is coming out in the winter, January 10th. It's going to be kind of Oscar counter-programming. Yeah. 
horror movies have been able to come out and do well financially early in the year. I mean, mm-hmm. Escape Room this year was the prime example of that. We've had one missed call in the past, for Christ's sake. We've had crap months yeah, in I the mean, past in January and February as well. So I'm a little worrisome. I don't know. We're, we're going to keep going on this horror movie kick, though, because Antlers... A small-town Oregon teacher, Carrie Russell, and her brother, the local sheriff, become entwined with a young student harboring a dangerous secret with frightening consequences. This is directed by Scott Cooper of Crazy Heart Hostiles Out of the Furnace and Black Mass. Mike, what'd you think of Antlers? This is like Mama if the two girls in Mama were being taken care of by their older brother who's adapted well to society. And we also have a zombie vampire deer parent. Yeah, like he's got a secret at home that he's taking care of, but he's the only human. Vampire deer mom. It's a yeah, it's a parent and a and a sibling, right? Like it seems like it's a sister too. That that seemed to be yeah. Zombie vampire right. deer dad. <laughs> right. Here's my question <laughs> with all this stuff. All right, because this this is an incredibly creepy trailer. Yeah. It's this kid giving this story about obviously relating to his home life, where he's got these zombie vampire things waiting for him at home every night. Jeremy T. Thomas did a nice job. I thought in terms of his performance he's yeah. like reciting this poem or this children's story very and creepy. creepy and he does a good job so if you're that teacher <laughs> and you hear this story in your child class, services right like, call DCF immediately and make it somebody else's problem <laughs> you do not get yourself involved Carrie Russell pass the buck do not go to the home no where you stay is, away from them this kid if he's a creative kid is giving you a metaphor for domestic violence right. what are you doing he's like, I mean this is Taylor May I hope she dies if she gets involved in this she deserves death by the zombie vampire dad and she'll become a zombie vampire deer <laughs> and it's a deer like it's not just a zombie vampire it's a zombie vampire with antlers what the hell Mike I that's the whole concept it's like oh they, they don't have anything to eat but they have each other and then they're just there's just deer carcasses and antlers laying around uh, thus the name of the title the so it's movie just here. zombie vampires and maybe and they eat deers what if that's all it is? It's all just one giant misunderstanding. <laughs> they're totally harmless. <laughs> they can't help the fact that they're zombie vampires. They haven't hurt the child. The child has its own room. He still makes it to school on time. But they are zombie vampires. I don't know. Mike Villains. This has Bill Skarsgård and Maka Monroe. Apparently they rob the wrong couple played by Kira Sedgwick and Byrne notices Jeffrey Donovan. Yeah, we got like the aristocrats make a couple of home invaders feel like they're in M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit Mm. here. It's like a home invasion gone wrong. I kind of dig it. And Kira Sedgwick is one of those actresses who can just play anything on a dime. I just watched something not too long ago with her in it where Mm. she was this... I think it was a TV show. It might have been the End of the World show from TBS, but she was like this normal person, and then in one scene, she's this crazy cowboy lady, and it's just totally believable. She can do these huge tonal shifts in characters and make them absolutely believable. She is spectacular, so I cannot wait personally to see her pull this off. She's had a great career on television, a lot of Emmys, but she hasn't done a lot of movies. No. So this is kind of cool for her to you know, do a little horror movie that was a South by Southwest favorite, so that's 
really awesome. And we now we have the girl from the ring chained up in the basement. Yeah. And they try to help that girl. That basically the tables are turned and the psycho older couple captures them. And how dare you cast Bill Skarsgård as a protagonist right now? You gotta wait until like November to roll this out, man. You can't do this as it chapter two is just making its way to theaters. It's gotta be weird, especially because he's taking his makeup off. Yeah. As Pennywise. I don't wanna see that. Real Bill Skarsgård. I'm surprised they went with that because one of the things you could do with your career when you play a character as well known as Pennywise is you're in full makeup. So right. you're not kind of giving away your normal everyday look as an actor. That made sense, but now you're taking it all off and showing everybody who you really are. That's that's strange to me. Like I'm surprised Bill Skarsgård went with that, or maybe just like I want everybody to see. And what makes him creepy about being Pennywise is not anything to do with the makeup. It's that he's able to do these weird things with his mouth, which you, I mean, take the makeup away. That mouth is still there. <laughs> Look, Penny, it Chapter Two is coming out next week, and this is coming out September 20th. Yeah, really close together, huh? Really I'm interested close. to see this stuff. So we got to talk about stuff that we may or may not care about, Mike. Care second. This is where we take news stories of the week. We ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? The way we start every Do Your Care segment every week is I ask Michael if we care about this week's upcoming releases, to which there are not many coming out this final weekend, Labor Day weekend, uh, final weekend in August here. Niza is opening limited, and the only nationwide release we have, I guess it's going nationwide. At last check, Blumhouse still hadn't really talked about where it's going and how many theaters exactly they're putting it in, but Don't Let Go is the only nationwide release do we care about either of those i do care about niza i'm sorry if i'm mispronouncing it like mike 583 million is what it's made overseas it set the record for the animated films in china in terms of their box office this is an enormous property that's platform releasing over here so it's it's wild I, I wonder if they could have dubbed it in English. I mean, it's, pro- it's probably dubbed in English. Why wouldn't they go for a wide release here? Unless they thought they've already made their money with it so they don't, they don't need the American box office. But think about what's getting... The Art of Racing in the Rain is getting a wide release here. And yeah. we just put out 15 wide releases the last three yeah. weeks. Yeah, Something and this crazy is a good week. Like too. It's a dead week, too. It's There's a nothing dead else. week. Anyway, I thought they should have handled that differently. Who knows? Don't Let Go got bad reviews, even though it kind of had a cool trailer... Then again, the uncle did it. Absolutely, the uncle did it. Okay. So I'm probably playing catch up. I want to see the Peanut Butter Falcon. I still want to see Blinded by the Light and Scary Stories. That's probably what I'm going to do. A lot of people love the Peanut Butter Falcon. I gotta. We want to check that out, too. Maybe it has Oscar legs. We'll see. Shia LaBeouf could be a little bit of a comeback man that we talk about all the awards good year. long. Very good year. Yeah. Mike, Robert De Niro's company files lawsuit against a former employee. <laughs> this seemed like a nothing story. Because she was watching Friends. This there. is the most fraudulent headline ever. Right. This is definitely a misdirection. But she's she watched five seasons of Friends while on the job. Oh, by the way, it's a $6 million lawsuit. And oh, by the way, she embezzled a ton of money. Yeah, that last part <laughs> is not in any headline, by the way. It's right. like Robert De Niro is suing a former employee for $6 million because she watched five seasons of Friends on what the job. What does Robert De Niro have against Friends? <laughs> yeah. How dare you? We love Joey. 
Michael Chandler. <laughs> Screw you, Bobby D. Just totally, totally making this seem like it's a it's a different story. No, she embezzled. And, by the way, of yeah, she embezzled millions of dollars from his company while watching said seasons of Friends. I don't know. Maybe you put that in the headline. Counting the money she embezzled <laughs> yeah. while watching. The Friends. one where I robbed my boss. That's yeah. the that's the title of this Friends episode. <laughs> I, I mean, okay, yes, sue her then. And she probably belongs in jail if she did this. I think that's fair, right? But don't fair. don't position this, first of all. Don't position it like you're chasing money because she watched Friends. And don't you dare demonize people that watch an episode or two of Friends on the job in their work lives, Monday through Friday. All right? We've all done it. We've all been there and snuck away somewhere. How dare you? It's streaming everywhere. It's on every screen. It can be anywhere. You can double screen and you can work and you can watch. She should sue him if it was just over Friends. Like, how dare you make me feel bad for doing something every American does? Counter sue and the lawyer, you know, giving that opening statement could just be like all about Joey and Chandler and all about the, the benefits of friends. Dynamic, right? just yeah. A, just a firm line in the sand. And then the, who, what jury is going to vote against friends? And then the other, the defense lawyer just comes over the top. She stole money. She stole a lot of money. <laughs> but Friends is the greatest show in this We're not here to talk Netflix. about Ross's leather pants. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, Bond 25 officially gets its title over this past week. It is called No Time to Die. So will Bond die? That's crazy that we finally have stakes for a James Bond movie. And I think this is good. Yes, I know, I know. Bond fans are mad at me right now because every Bond movie is like the world is at stake. The world is not enough. The world is not enough, and also Garbage the Band has been disrespected. It is not as well known. Anyway, we got some stakes for this one because the world is never really at stake in a Bond movie. We know he's going to save the world. Now we're wondering if he's going to die. Well, it it is. It has a whole new level of intrigue that we have this replacement 007 that we already talked about. We've we've kind of weighed in on this already. We both think this might be a bit of a misdirect and that they're setting it up to make it seem like James Bond has this, or Daniel Craig's James Bond anyway, has this quiet passing of the guard and really, I, I, I expect him to die. He's going to marry the, f- the girl from Fleabag and go off in the sunset. <laughs> oh, you think he's going to get a happy ending? Yeah. I All do. right. I do. All right. I think we'll it's see. a misdirection for that reason. Like, they're going to kill James Bond in this movie, Bond 25? Yes. <laughs> I, hey, I need to, a reason to go see a Bond movie now. I, I'm serious. I didn't see the last one, Spectre. Oh, Spectre was good, too. Was it? Yeah, I, I didn't it was see entertaining. It. I, I had no desire to see it. Uh, I just wasn't for me. And then... You're uh, not a big James Bond guy. I'm into this one. Yeah. Though. I'm into this one. Mike, the hunt may still get released amidst controversy. This is, it's not all that surprising. I'm kind of surprised more so that a streaming service hasn't stepped up and offered to do it like what Netflix did with the interview yeah. uh, after uh, that whole controversy went down a couple of years ago. But this was Universal's decision to pull it. It wasn't Blumhouse's. It wasn't anybody else's. It wasn't the director's. The cast and everyone seemed to be kind of upset that it happened, which is understandable. So I would fully expect this to find its way to some airwaves at some point. Uh, the fact that it hasn't happened yet, like I said, is a little surprising, but maybe it's still too raw and too emotional. So I would expect by the time this maybe gets, you know, this should go to VOD, we'll see it somewhere. You hinted at it. Do you think this is going to f- just be given to us on Amazon or Netflix? 
You think that's the, yeah, yeah? I think yeah. streaming makes the most sense, right? Yeah. I mean, or or at least like an Xfinity Cut, VOD. Cut your losses. Yeah, I, I don't I don't expect to see. It. Maybe there'll be a chain that steps up and tries to buy the dish. You know, wants the license for it for a month or a week or so, and mm. has a special screening and thinks they can pack the theater with it. Maybe that could be a smart business idea, and they want to make headlines because it's going to be getting people from both sides of the issue for and against it. They're going to speak out if that happens, but. I, I don't expect to see it in a theater. Now, I learned something about the premise that I kind of heard the last time it was in the news, but mm-hmm. I really didn't sink my teeth into it. Apparently, like the liberal elites, like Hillary Swank's character, mm-hmm. they're liberal elites. They're not conservative elites. And they're hunting super conservative people online. They're hunting, quote unquote, deplorables. This is in the premise. That's a wild premise. Yeah, That's like it is. flipped on its head premise in a way that was shocking to me to me that suggests that people, people shouldn't be outraged against right, it, right people would want to see it even more even the people that would stereotypically be because against that type liberal of liberal hollywood right. criticizing exactly. liberals exactly yeah so that's surprising to hear huh it's self-reflexive criticism right or it could be it certainly could be yeah who knows how it actually <laughs> maybe hillary Frank's the only one standing at the end of it <laughs> yeah, maybe i don't know mike matrix four yeah so the matrix four again another big story this week that came out it is in the works both keanu reeves and milana wachowski are back for this do we care about it so it's been 20 years since the first matrix movie yes first one was great second and third one had their moments i would say the third one they both got tiresome they both were overlong they didn't know what they wanted to be. Yeah. I have not loved the Wachowskis' work since. I know Agree. the TV show on Netflix has a lot of devout followers mm-hmm. for it. So Lana Wachowski is writing, directing, and producing this without Lily, it seems. So the Wachowskis are not teamed up on this movie. Hmm. The bottom line here is nothing popular is ever going to be left alone. It's never going to be let right. sit. Yeah, We're going to no. get these new movies this all the time. This is the age of nostalgia now. I guess it's a good thing that Lana's in charge of it. And Keanu Reeves is on board. That's a good thing, right? Yeah, like half of me is saying how much worse could it get? And the other half of me is thinking this could be a total disaster. This could be a disaster, but if they make a good movie, then we're happy again, right? I mean, it, it just it matters how good the movie is. Did we go to see The it's Matrix originally take. just because of the visual effects, though? Like... Something like Elite of Battle Angel or yeah. the one where the cities were floating that I made fun of. Mortal Engines, right? Like, <laughs> those have visuals that are now well beyond anything The Matrix did. And nobody is seeing these movies for those reasons anymore. So if they're going to rely on just visual effects to get people and have the kind of a convoluted well, It's an established line, property now. I mean, the people will go see this in droves, I think, unless it gets crushed by critics out the gate. They're going to need a better story. I mean, Matrix 2 and 3 were... A mess, narratively. He's a super <laughs> duper hero now. Like, how does that work? Yeah, he's just Jesus. Let him grow the Jesus spirit, too. Just have that analogy. Jesus and Zeus and yeah. the, all of them combined. All of the gods of the world combined. That's Neo at the end of the Matrix 3. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant as well. I want to get your take on this next story, though. Do you like the Resident Evils? We're apparently getting a reboot, and it's going to be super scary for the Resident Evil franchise. I do care about this. I... I like some of the Resident Evil movies. I think they went a little too far. Mm-hmm. But when you, anytime you have a horror franchise that goes seven or eight installments deep, you're going to get a little long in the tooth anyway. Originally, 
way back before they even adapted the first movie. I can't remember. It might have been Guillermo del Toro, but there was supposed to. It was supposed to be a very dark, a very heavy mm-hmm. horror movie, a horror franchise with somebody powerful behind it. Have and, you ever played the game? I've never played the game. Yeah, I played a couple of them. Is it scary? Yeah, uh, Resident Evil Seven, the one that just came out for the PS4 like mm-hmm. last year, two years ago. I, legitimately terrifying. There's some jump scare moments. In oh wow, it, for sure. Because, yeah, I'm not familiar with the games. I still kind of watch most of these movies, if not all of them, as, like, guilty pleasure watches, I would say, with the Mila Jovovich uh, at the center of it. Yeah, what they did in these, though, they weren't true to the game very much. Oh, really? Like, they just included some characters, but you didn't really ever get the, the known entities within the game, those characters, doing what they do in the game. Mia's character, Mia, Mia Jovovich's character, who the whole franchise is centered around, is is a movie creation. She's not in the game. Huh. The the whole Raccoon City, Alex Wesker. There's all kinds of. There's a deep, deep story, a rich story here. If they actually want to adapt that, and it does lend itself to horror easily. So with that in mind, yes, I'm very excited for it. I hope it's done right, and hope it's handled with respect. Uh, but like we just saw with the first seven Resident Evil movies, you can miss. It's yeah, not- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Hasbro is going to buy or has bought already Entertainment One for four billion dollars. So four billion brings Peppa Pig and PJ Masks into Transformers and GI Joe and creating these toy properties into stories. They're a production company that also, basically, they sell their stuff to Universal at the end of the day or whatever studio. So we can finally get the PJ Masks Transformer crossover movie we've all been waiting for. Are you familiar with I know you have young kids in the family. Yeah, I mean, those are all kids' shows. PJ Masks, uh, Peppa Pig, those are well-known children's properties. And Hasbro is a giant toy conglomerate. They they have the rights to, to things like Transformers, like you said. So I don't know how much it plays to, like, a crossover. Unless they want to just focus on having all those Nick Jr. type cartoons or PBS type cartoons in the world. Right. I I think in terms of the industry, though, it's kind of important because we're getting more mergers. And there's a bunch of stories, Mike, about more mergers on the horizon as as well because everybody's getting so big that now you got to get big and you got to team up and you got to take over in order to compete. It's like a pickup basketball court, except it's with multi-billion dollar companies. Hmm. Like you're looking for the biggest and strongest to add to your fifth and get a team out there so you can play and compete with the big guys that have won eight games in a row. Yeah, it's like college football or AAU. And yeah, it's it's very much like sports, no question. So final story, Annapurna Pictures seems to be surviving I'm great at alliteration. <laughs> what do you think, Mike? I think it's it's expected. I don't think any anybody truly thought that Megan Ellison was going to be left in the wind to file Chapter 11, and that's kind of what this uh, Deadline article, Hollywood Reporter, covered it as well. But they're saying that Larry Ellison, who's one of the founder of Oracle out there in Hollywood, is stepping in and, and basically adopting a lot of, uh, settling a lot of the debt for something like 80 to 85 cents on the dollars, with the number I read. And the creditors are basically swallowing a 20% loss, but they're doing it because they do a lot of other business with Larry Ellison anyway, Hmm. who is an extremely, extremely powerful human being. And I think the idea, or at least the mindset was that this was how it was all going to end at some point. He let her, he let his daughter run the company. She's still going to stay in power. It seems like maybe he'll have a little more input and control with finances, but it seems like it's going to at least go back for the most part to business as normal or as usual. I don't know how many bailouts he has left in him to do something like this, because it's quite a substantial amount, but 
again, I don't know that it's un- something necessarily that was unforeseen coming. Right. It's a sad story. We've kind of been over it before. She's made a lot of good movies, which is why it's sad. But she's lost money on a lot of those. Yeah, good a lot movies. of critically acclaimed movies. Oscar but a movies. lot of money losers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it sucks. I mean, it's nice to have, and she. We're gonna cut, get to a point. I wonder too, just from like a viability standpoint, or at least a planning standpoint, how smart this is. Because we're going to get to the point. We just talked about how art house movies might be dying in a way. This might be the beginning of some kind of struggling with them being seen and making money and all that. We need some kind of tastemaker and somebody curating these films to have a home for all of them still, because necessity is going to dictate. That we have somebody out there, if Disney's not going to do it, which they said they're not, somebody's going to need to put forth $40 million, $50 million every once in a while for an original property. And it's been Annapurna lately, and they've been horrible money losers, but as the field gets more constricted and team-ups happen more and more and acquisitions happen more and more, somebody's going to have to be the go-to for these types of properties, lest we lose them altogether. We just saw Sequelitis hit the movie industry this summer and it hit hard a lot of major properties lost money yeah annapurna pictures made a lot of good movies but they overpaid for those good movies Mm -hmm. it's really hard to make a good movie we know this yeah right and we we're, were harsh on people at times it's really effing hard to make good movies and she has shepherded so many Mm -hmm. so many in and a lot of movies that we've loved over the years some of our favorite movies of each and every year She's going to have to do something with the financing because there was also a symptom over the last five years of the franchise fever that these original properties were being neglected. And we're still seeing that. A lot of movies are being neglected, period. Bad sequels and even good original properties. It's a warning sign for the industry at large. It's a little scary. Let's see if she can learn from it. Hopefully. Hopefully. And get this company back on the right track. Yeah, uh, it, it like I said, it's they there needs to be a home for things like this, and I hope that Anna Perner can be because she does seem to like you said. I mean, she's got talent as a curator of films. I still say, get the hell out of distribution. Right. I mean, just see what you are as a production company and see if you can make these some fi- co-financing deals with other distribution arms that yeah. are already established. Let somebody else figure out how yeah. to make money off of your good movie. Right, exactly. So right. we'll see. We'll keep, definitely keep an eye on that. But as it stands right now, Megan Ellison will still be the head of Annapurna going forward. So that's a, I think that's a good thing for the movie industry at large, at least as far as uh, quality filmmaking goes. Mm-hmm. We will wrap up here with a quick What We're Watching segment. Yeah, it's What We're Watching, Mike. <laughs> Spoken word a little bit here. The Nightingale. I saw this yesterday. The 1800s sucked. This is, <laughs> That's what you can land on, huh? Uh, this is Jennifer Kent of The Babadook uh, directing this. She's a great director. Oh, my God. This was a brutal watch. It was a heartbreaking watch. I just really, really had trouble with it. It's well made, yada, yada, yada. It's brutal. No, it's, Os- no Oscar legs is what I, I'm I don't think so. I think it's going to turn a lot of people off. It, it's not really a horror movie. It's kind of in between. I mean, that's what the Babadook was. Babadook was not a horror. I would not classify it as a horror movie. I understand I, traditionally it seems like it, but Jennifer Kent seems to have this using horror as the backdrop for bigger issues. There are a couple scares in here. Look, it's a fascinating story. I was riveted for two hours, but I'm also like looking in my lap at my Skittles that I... <laughs> I bought too many Skittles, so maybe it's just like I was disgusted based on the subject matter. I was disgusted based on the sugar overload. Right. 
I had a lot I, of things working against you in that viewing. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things working against me. Is it I, worth I a watch? Paid for parking. Like, where, where I paid, were you? It cost me thirty. I went to New Haven. It cost me thirty-five dollars, oh. and I went hungry like an idiot. And I bought a diet. I yeah. bought. I spent eleven dollars, and it was a twelve-dollar ticket, and it was twelve dollars. Yeah, thirty-five dollars. Yeah, New Haven Later. get you. New Haven after, get you. After I've been making out on all of the your A list, my A list. This was dumb. This was a dumb, dumb decision because I almost went to Danbury to see Peanut Butter Falcon. Ah, uh, you should have. So I'm like ornery that I overspent. <laughs> All right. It could have been a better movie. I don't know. <laughs> Mindhunter, I binged the rest of season two this time last week. And honestly, without looking it up, I don't even know how many episodes this was. I just like a blur. It's, it just went all it went by so fast. There are a bunch of serial killers. There's a good mystery involved. Mike, it is a blur. So is it one mystery throughout the season? Yes. And they just happen to ask every famous serial killer ever to help? They're doing this study with all the like serial killers. a justice killers. league of the most awful people in the world? They're doing this study <laughs> with all these serial killers on the side. And then they're also being outsourced to, in this case, Atlanta for this notable serial killer. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, it's got high marks. Everybody that's seen it has torn through it and seems to love it. It's very good. I have to watch it again, though, because I remember nothing. <laughs> I watched it in, like, two days. Remember spending $7 on Skittles, though. <laughs> I do. That's what I come away with. I'm overloaded. I, I watched four more episodes of Glow. I'm going to be on episode eight now. It's still not great. I mean, it has it's its moments. It's so disheartening to hear. I'm really struggling with it. I that's mean, so I, upsetting, because first, I really, really... Thoroughly, especially season two. Maybe you'll think differently. I I just can't get into it that well. Even though I'm watching it in chunks. I watched three and then I watched four. So I am watching it. Yeah. Just I'm not loving it, all unfortunately. Right. And I love the first two seasons. Micah watched All is True. This is Kenneth Branagh, Judy Dench, Ian McKellen's William Shakespeare in his latter years film. Where did you see this? I watched it on VOD. Okay. $6. Some powerful scenes. I went in for the cast, and it got positive reviews. It was like a 70-percenter. Great cinematography and great makeup. Like, he's got Billy Shakespeare's nose, and he looks like Billy Shakespeare. There's, this movie didn't work. There's not enough there. Yeah. And it's just like a revelation plot, and I just I don't care enough. So it's a, a biopic about the latter half of Shakespeare's life? Yeah. And it's, you know, it sucks because in the fucking whatever hundreds, you get a cold and you die. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like nowadays like you got modern medicine five feet away you have to have a serious illness hopefully to die this is a sad movie five so feet away we're talking about the movie five feet away five feet away all right not the availability of medicine that is five feet within your grasp they have cystic fibrosis and this was an eye-opening film for me like i was not familiar with this disease at all it is brutal it is really tough to deal with and i work with high school kids and to see high school kids having to deal with this yeah. disease like I said, eye-opening. Haley Lou Richardson, she's she's a star. She's a star in the making. Everything Agreed. I've seen her in, she's been great. This plot is very slow-paced for the first like hour and 15 minutes, and then the last 45 minutes, it's just, oh my God, all these things are happening. Bouncing off the walls. B big dinner, big thing. Oh my God, we're going outside. Oh, They haven't gone outside the whole movie, and then they go outside at the end of it. It's insane. Yeah. How did you ever see The Fault in Our Stars? Which is probably the baseline. How does this stack up to that? It's not as good as The Fault in Our Stars. Probably what the, the scores better. and the financials also reflect. It's like a fifty percenter. I would say it's okay. I, I was I was not like upset by the watch. It doesn't work though. Like the latter half of this movie just tonally doesn't work with the first half. Gotcha. And finally, 
I'm kind of boning up on Noah Baumbach films. Getting ready. I got While We're Young in the books now. And this is as funny as it is awkward. So this is really funny and really awkward. Adam Driver, Ben Stiller, Amanda Seyfried. It's fun, but it's so awkward funny at times. Well, you would expect the marriage story to have kind of the same feel. If you're going to talk about the ups and downs of a marriage that looks perfect from the outside, you would expect it to have some fun times, but to have some painstakingly awkward moments as well. Mike, it's about dueling documentarians. So I like that. that. that that's, I like that. That's the plot of While We Were Young, and it's, it's kind of fun, but very strange. Francis Ha is also on Netflix. I found this on Netflix. I'm going to watch Francis Ha next. You could be in for some serious mental gymnastics if you're going to be watching the Noah Baumbach film uh, history on the side of doing the Joker study. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, let's see if I skip real quick. We'll keep it with just the movies that you saw. We'll do The Nightingale, All is True, and While We're Young, skipping five feet away. I don't think I could do The Nightingale again. It's just so brutal. Is it just, like, depressing? And Does it wear on you? It's brutal. Like, there's rape and murder ugh. and, ugh, I, I, I still have, I have, very, I have a hard time watching rape on screen. It's so rough. It's so difficult. I mean, you know that. It's in the premise of the right, film. I'm right, not right. spoiling no. it. It's brutal. So five feet away and while we're young. No, no, I, no. All is true and while we're young. You don't get to pick five feet away. Oh, I don't get to you pick? You don't get to pick it. All right. Well, I'm going to buy while we're young because at least that's pretty happy okay. and fun. All right. I'll oh. <laughs> I'll skip. Uh, there's no way I'm rewatching All is True. No way. Even though cinematography, it's good. I guess I'll see The Nightingale well, and you, give The Nightingale another chance. You heard it here first. Chance. Also, Mike prefers to watch Rape on screen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do not have a competing what we're watching this week. I, I got caught up in doing work. And then well, this you took weekend, a trip. Yeah. This weekend I went down to see uh, some old college friends down in New Jersey there where gambling is legal in the state of New Jersey. So uh, you watch sports. We, Mike, we not only watch sports. Like, <laughs> you're allowed to gamble through your phone uh, through William Hill if you're in the state of New Jersey. Uh-huh. So we... My buddy who's down there lives in in, in central southern Jersey. Uh, he's a big Phillies fan because he's like 20 minutes right outside the city. You're betting on baseball games in August. Just listen. Just listen. You're this a was, fucking asshole. This, not only was it... And you won money. Not only baseball games in August. Preseason football, no. college football, like all the most obscure no. shit. We, spent, we placed, I swear to God, yeah. Friday night we placed somewhere in the vicinity of 25 bets total. Okay. okay. Because you can, you're able to do live lines and you're able to bet along with what's going on in the game. So we ba- placed 25 bets total. I want to say 10 of them were on other other games and sports, preseason football, random yeah. baseball games. I think we went one for 10. Okay, we did terribly. The Phillies played the Marlins Friday night. The game ended uh, 19 to 11. Okay. Yeah. We placed 15 bets throughout the duration of that game. Everything we bet happened. It was amazing. It was unlike anything I have ever seen in my life. To the point, we bet randomly that exactly two runs would be scored in the top of the ninth inning of a 19-9 game. And this pitcher came in that could not find the strike zone to save his life, walked a ton of batters, exactly two runs were scored, and then the game ended. It was amazing. I could never seen anything like it before. I felt like a god. Everything I predicted happened. This never happens to me in life. I did not have this luck. All right, so you went one for ten. 
and, and, all this, and everything else. Yes. And then you went like 15, 15 straight. <laughs> it was amazing. And we ended, we ended up leaving with some money. We, but I mean, you we, walked away from the table after that. Yeah, yeah, we were pretty much. We, well, then we, we bet on Florida Miami the next night, which also ended well. So we did okay for ourselves this weekend. I do not do okay when it comes to, to betting. I am so frightened for you. <laughs> you have no idea. Like we don't have a lot of money, and no, none. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I got some now, though. I'm feeling lucky. <laughs> oh, no. But that's uh, what I did. That was that was in place of of what we're watching this weekend. It was a fun time. Always good to catch up with old good, college buddies. Good, um, but yeah, I got to get back to like movie watching and reality and working on MMO and putting together a goddamn website for this brand yeah, that we have. We're working on it. We're we got a couple things in the pipeline that now that we're bad, we told ourselves end of summer we're going to get to a having some serious conversations about things. So hopefully, mm-hmm. in the very near future, we will be having some new kinds of ways for you to enjoy us, or I guess at least let us torture you would be a better way to, to put that. Enjoyment versus torture. Those are two <laughs> ends of the spectrum in your pitch. Wow. You're tired. Uh, guys, we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you want anything, uh, we want to hear your comments, questions, concerns, obviously anything that we do uh, regarding anything we talked about here in MMO Weekly or anything touched on in the MMO Empire, you can reach out to us, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. You guys have been really putting in and f- flying in those five-star reviews yes, lately. Thank you. We really, truly appreciate that. We still do need more of those, so if you could take three seconds out of your day go to your podcast app on your iphone type in mike mike and oscar into the search click on our cartoon logo and you will scroll down maybe once maybe twice you will see the opportunity to leave us a five-star review those truly do mean a lot to us they 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 mean a lot to us not only in filling out this application we're trying to go through rotten tomatoes but you know when you take time out of your day to do something like that it really means a lot to us personally yeah. on a personal level on a professional level and we can't thank you enough and it populates for more people on itunes yeah. it's like an organic search engine kind of thing yeah. so it really does help it, it mean it, it we can't thank you enough for that so if you can keep that up and tell your friends tell one or two friends each uh we'll get there in no time michael i guess give these good people some words of wisdom to start their weeks off with and uh we'll tell them what's coming next nostalgia it just sells right that's why you could at least make money off it right now. Happening <laughs> everywhere in this episode, and yeah, I, I guess if the movie industry can somehow capitalize on nostalgia, <laughs> if only, if only, <laughs> they'll be doing well. What's coming the rest of this week? We have the It Chapter Two preview that is also functioning as a crossover with our Joker character study. We're going to talk about evil clowns in the yeah. business and compare Pennywise with the Joker and that's going to be fun a little half a so for you yeah. we're going to review Loose I've already seen it it is a thought provoking film I really enjoyed it how good is it I got to see it again Mike and I are going to dive into that as an Oscar sprint profile and then we got another Oscar race checkpoint episode that is already five pages long or four pages long good somehow God. Michael we got a ton already. These were supposed to be short, fun, <laughs> weekly episodes. Oscar news. There's so much Oscar news. All right, guys. When reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you very soon. See you.